Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Tom F1 and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Tom Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We're here with a special guest today to talk about all things F1, all things YouTube and all things content creation. Uh, But before I introduce him, we have James in Paris. How are you, James? I'm right, thanks. How are you, Ollie? I'm very good. I always have to say James in Paris because the other James is James in Bournemouth and you know, it all gets a bit confusing. Um, but our special guest today is Tom McCluskey. You may know him as Tomo F1. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right. I wish I was in Paris. What, 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 why, why Paris, James? And also, I used to live in Bournemouth because that's where I went to university. So there's a connection there to the other James. That you know. <laughs> <We're not here. laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, my girlfriend moved out here to be a translator. So oh, amazing. Brexit, Brexit basically forced my hand. And now I'm plugging my way through with a bit of French and yeah. Love that, love that. Allez le bleu and all that, right? <laughs> but no, good thanks for having me, boys. Pleasure to be here. No worries. So we thought we would have you on. Obviously, uh, for our fans who don't know who you are, um, do you want to just give a, a, a 10-second overview of yourself? I uh, started making F1 YouTube videos in 2019, and one kind of caught the algorithm. I like to talk about the sport just as I would about chatting to my mates about sport at the pub. And yeah, growing up, pretty big channel now so uh full-time happy days and here to talk about f1 that's it now you're being a bit modest here when you say one caught the algorithm you know you're looking at a few million views here it's not just the old uh the old 1000 there 2000 there you've got a massive following haven't you yeah i mean it's it all had to start with that one video there was there was a, a video i did about rich energy got some rich energy with the red bull taste test that was the video that caught the algorithm first because i'd been making youtube videos for years like i'd been doing football content for over four years and i'd amassed about 400 subscribers so i know what it's like to uh create content for an audience that isn't there so i'm extra appreciative of the the yeah the the following i've got now so it's been a long grind i've got to be honest what is it about rich energy right he did some amazing things for us as well that man um you know once you jump on the rich energy algorithm nowadays it wouldn't do you very well powerful thing yeah (laughs) exactly i looked back um i think after after i'd hit about 10k because i i went from I did about 10k in like a month when it did kick off and that was that real initial kind of spike but I'd made 
I'd made like seven videos. My first seven videos within the first like seven months had got about 150 views between them. And that included one that is now over 100K, which is a video about Rocket, who were Williams title sponsor and that rich energy video. So those videos were, were clearly good videos because since then they've got good viewership relative to the others. Um, but yeah, they just weren't getting picked up. They weren't getting served recommended, which is a whole extra part of the YouTube game. Cause I've always loved YouTube. I've always watched it a lot and I've got into making YouTube videos in, in a big part, just cause I wanted to learn how to make videos and I've always done graphic design. I wanted to learn how to do that side of things, more motion stuff. Um, but actually understanding and learning how to get your stuff viewed, even if it's really good, that's a whole separate kind of challenge in itself. But it all comes down to that one video. It all I comes think, down to it. I think you and me could become best friends because I'm that guy who sits, right? We'll make a podcast like this. And then I'll sit for a few days now looking at uh, meta tags, descriptions, all the different keywords that you could use. And making the content is literally, well, it can be 10% of the of. <laughs> Of, of the whole thing. I mean, talk about your video editing though, because you're, you're, you've got some skills there. You didn't do it at uni. You didn't learn this. So you're self-taught, I believe. Yeah. So at uni, I actually did, um, I did product design because I, I, I wanted to, it was a bit everything and there was a bit, there was the kind of graphic side and the engineering side. I did initially want to go into, I did motorsport engineering at college. So I wanted to be a race car engineer and then I quickly decided that it was more the theory that I liked. So I got onto my product design course through that and then ended up going down the graphic design route. Um, so yeah, that I, I, I worked as, well, when did I, I graduated at, um, 2015 and then I basically worked in various kind of graphic design, did a bit of photography kind of for a lot of kind of e-commerce websites. Um, and I guess, yeah, having that, having that, background in graphic design i think gives me quite a good eye for what i like and basically the editing is just taking those graphics because like yesterday for, for for this week's video i spent pretty much all day just doing graphics in photoshop that i will then use in my next video and then it's just basically making the graphics and then just making them move so that they, they look pretty and engaging <laughs> and that's basically it so it's kind of i had that basis there and um, which i'd cultivated over kind of a good few years of work in, in industry and then just, yeah, been able to apply that to my channel. So you, you, you said that you only started in 2019. I think we started about the same time, James. Um, is this it now? Are you, are you set on your path, right? I'm sticking with motorsport this time or are you going to go play back with football and sort of a bit, little, little bit of other bits? No, I mean, I, I, I love the F1 content. It's it's something actually like I've dabbled, I've, I've never been afraid to kind of try things out, I suppose. Like I tried out a few different kind of little business ventures when I was at uni that didn't go anywhere, but I'm kind of glad I tried them. Like obviously the football stuff I did for years, cause that was, you know, I was a West Ham uh, season ticket holder at the time. Cause I lived quite close to the stadium. And I also dabbled in kind of a graphic design channel, which does still exist. Um, and it was kind of the choice between the graphic design and the F1. The F1 stuff has, has been the first thing that's really taken off. So I'm um, I'm for sure still kind of riding that wave. And yeah, I've got I've got uh, I love it. I, I love the sport just as much, if not more, than than when I started. And it's just again, again, I think I've you know when I jump on a stream, when I talk about like I'm talking now with you guys, like it's it always just comes back to I just love racing. I've always loved cars. I've always loved racing. It's always just been something in me. It never came from parents or friends or family. It was just always my thing that I was into growing up and kind of having this audience and this channel that I can just talk about these things 
I love it. I love it. It is literally like I'm I'm honestly so privileged to be able to do what I do. And I'm honestly like, yeah. It, it's 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 mad that I'm able to do this full time. So it is it's I have to kind of pitch myself sometimes because it's pretty crazy. I guess you, you kind of hit the perfect time to to move into F1, as you said, like doing football, FIFA, whatever stuff before. But twenty nineteen was obviously Drive to Survive just it was twenty eighteen, wasn't it? The first Drive to Survive. So do you think that's helped? Do you think that's oh. helped you a lot? It's to no end. To everyone, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've all kind of benefited. Anyone who's making content around F1, but you know, I, I say this as well because, yes, obviously having my graphic design background has helped, and I think I kind of, I think I, I was able to start with a skill set that meant I could make pretty good videos from the outset. I think my videos have improved a lot since I started with the F1 stuff, but also with Drive to Survive with lockdown, with numerous kind of personal circumstances as well. Like I got furloughed. Um, there's all these things that, all, all these things that kind of happened at the right time. And, you know, luck, luck is clearly, and that, they were things completely out of my control. You know what I mean? So there, so there's a huge dose of that. But at the same time, it's like, there's always those factors and it's about making the most of it and jumping on the opportunities when they, they presented themselves. And once that first video started to, to grow, I, I, I knew at that time, I was like, this is an opportunity here because I, I knew by then how, how YouTube worked well enough, having done my football stuff for years. And I've never had a video kind of catch any kind of growth like that. So that's when I then followed it up and kept that snowball rolling and yeah, haven't stopped since, but yeah, drive survive has been huge. But lots of factors have been huge as well that just, it's impossible to say if, if it wasn't for all those things, you know, where the channel, or would I still be doing it? Who knows? You know? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's like you say, it's keeping that snowball rolling. All you need is that one break. I mean, like, obviously Formula Nerds is doing pretty well now. I'm on like a personal, I, I got a random thing going viral six months after I did it on my mm. own website, which gave me as many views as I'd had in the previous like three years. It just like it was some quiz I did that went viral on TikTok, mm. and that's that's all it takes. But it's yeah, it's a skill I think to to keep it moving like that. Absolutely, but, um, yeah. Because it's it's all well and good having that one kind of peak, and then it's about kind of matching that and continuing to keep that going. Because like like with you guys, you, yeah, you could have just let that be a peak and then just like settle in. But it's about kind of seizing those opportunities when they come up because yeah it's it's a it's a difficult game a lot of people are doing it there's a reason youtube and content creator is like the most wanted job for like you know kids these days and it's there's there's a lot a lot of people trying it and i think getting to a space where you can succeed in it it it, it's hard it takes a long time but you know someone's got to do it why not me it's kind Um, of replaced footballer isn't it like all the kids who uh, were When we were at school at seven, we're like, I want to be a footballer. Everyone now wants to be a YouTuber. That's it. I mean, I, I did a, uh, my best mate, um, he's a primary school teacher and I did a, I did a talk at his school and it was, yeah, like there were, I don't know how many different classes, there were like six different classes and each one I went into is right. First question I was like, right, how many of you would l- like the idea of being a YouTuber? And it was in every single class, it was between a half and two thirds of the kids put their hands up. And these are primary school kids, you know, 
it's crazy. Like they shouldn't even be on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I think, do you know what? I, I used to watch Peter McKinnon a lot on YouTube, right? And mm, he, same. He was, um, he, he's been a massive influence to my sort of content creating. And then I go out, I watch every single review video on which camera's the best, right? Which, which yeah. Canon, obviously, because he's endorsed by Canon. I've obviously. got a Canon. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> then I, then I take out my, my niece and we're, we're going around blogging about absolutely nothing. And you're, you're right. It's a trend. And I think, Content creation is so important to share sort of your views and, and the way you look at things. I mean, um, Tom, the way the way I found you, I remember it was one of your F one uh, prediction videos, and I remember thinking, all right, this has got a few this has got a few views on it. I'm going to see what this bloke thinks, and I remember watching it and thinking, oh, that's an interesting opinion. But I think one thing that you've harnessed is is getting that audience interaction because content creation in, in sort of the new age okay maybe we're going a bit deep here but it's got to be two ways right there's no mm. point putting a video which people don't feel like they're involved in how do you how do you keep that sort of balance of people caring what you think but also wanting to give their own opinion and then you almost using that yeah i mean that that's something that you know right now i kind of i want to i want to do more like i used to because you know, when the, when the channel's small, I, well, I replied to every single comment I'd ever received on my YouTube channel up until I was at about 20,000. So I lit every single one, every single one. You can go back, you can, every single one had a reply, even if it was just like an emoji. So you can't always bring yourself to, you know, I'd be sat on the toilet at work taking maybe slightly longer <laughs> toilet breaks than I should just replying to comments. Yeah. So I was like, how many people, like, I don't know how many people, like, they, they don't know that I replied to their comment while I was having a shit. And <laughs> you've you got to, like, maximise every time. And, and I think, you know, now, obviously, that's that's not possible. Um, but I still, you know, when I put a video out within that first kind of, I wait for, like, an hour, and then within that kind of next couple of hours, I do try and, like, interact with all of the, all of the comments were the most engagement um, because they're typically the ones that are the most either funniest or most popular like rebuttals or whatever. Um, so I think that helps. I, I think having done that from the start, that's what I always recommend to anyone who wants to kind of try this thing is that really, you know, because people, if someone's going to take time to write a comment, like that's a, that's a big thing. You know, they've not just watched your video. They've actually chosen to, to engage in another way. And I think that helps with that, conversation because again I, i'm not like th there's there's room for every type of fan right and there's a lot of fans who you know they have a certain driver that they just you know they 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 view the sport through that driver and you could say that about any sport you know you could watch football through only your team and only be interested in your team and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but the conversation i want to have is I, I want to be like, I, I want to talk openly. I want to have like put my opinion and views out there. And maybe I'm you know, influenced by my, the biases that we all have, but that's, what's an interesting conversation to me. That's when I'm chatting with my mates down the pub about the football, which is typically what it is. I'm not just defending West Ham all the time because, well, I mean, especially right now we're terrible. So it's like that, that's not the interesting conversation to me. It's not about, you know, scratching Alex Albon's back all the time. It's, it's, it's about just like being, honest and changing my opinion on people as well because that's that's normal like people would you know social media makes you scared of changing your perspective on someone like fernando alonso when he came back i was just like oh i don't think he's going to be very good i don't know the way he conducts himself in the past and he's proven me wrong and yeah. i'm happy to admit that because that's that's normal like, i'm not just going to say like because that's that's a real conversation 
as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at one of your uploads, right? And I remember seeing it at the time. Is Lando Norris just another rich pay driver? The problem is, this is there forever, right? How do you how do you then go back and change that? And when you've changed your opinion, I'm sorry. Do you do you, what was your outcome of that video? Do you think he was well, just another rich no, no, no. So, so that one comes from because obviously I've read a lot of articles and I have since then. You know, Lando got a lot of legs up coming coming through. Don't don't, oh, uh, don't get it twisted. Yeah, uh, his dad's a multimillionaire. He you know got a lot of. Uh, I've spoken to to even drivers since who who were um, around Lando during that period. And he did get a lot of opportunities. And when he first came into F1, there were articles that were talking about this and highlighting how he got legs up in the, not to the same extent as someone like Lance Stroll, because his dad's a billionaire and he had like a helicopter to every, but then, you know, a lot of these drivers come from privileged backgrounds and it's kind of challenging the, the, the whole kind of pay driver. When's a pay driver, not a pay driver. You, you have to be, you know, even someone from as humble of beginnings as, you know, Esteban Ocon or Lewis Hamilton, they still had to rely on being picked up by McLaren and Renault respectively to further their careers. Like you still have to have things in place from a financial point of view to get you there. So again, the Lando example was that he had he had all these privileges growing up, but also he was bloody quick and he was quicker than anyone else. And those privileges enabled him to get as good as he is. So would you call, you know, someone like Michael Schumacher, who was supported by Mercedes and they paid for a seat of Jordan, a pay driver? Well, again, so that's, and you know, I mean, the, the title did the job. <laughs> yeah. So, you, so you're, you're, you're literally, you're putting, you're putting the, uh, the feelers out there and then you're actually getting into the content and talking about it. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, cause I think again, like, people were genuinely asking that question. You know, like how, if you're going to call Lando a pay driver, well, would you call everyone a pay driver? Who's a pay driver? Who's not a pay driver? That whole topic is a very kind of, because the sport, the sport is, is founded on pay drivers. Let's be honest, right? Back in the fifties when it was all very, very old, very, very rich blokes. Like, that's just the way the sports. I mean, if you think pay drivers are bad now, go back to the nineties and look at how many drivers raced for like a season and how many people were in and out and paying for their seats. Like it's, it's mad. So again, it's just a, you know, it's a conversation point. It's an interesting conversation that, and I wanted to put my view out there and see what people think and see how people respond to that. And that's, kind of what I'm what I'm aiming to do really yeah it's so hard to judge them coming through isn't it because I mean you've seen so so many people will be accused of being a pay driver but then it's all about like someone can win F2 but if the competition wasn't that great that year there's no way of really knowing as it comes through and there's so many drivers who've kind of flattered to deceive kind of when they've actually got to F1 you see Van Dorn everyone thought he was going to be the next coming but it turned out that whole generation just wasn't quite there because it was him Jolian Palmer mm. and they all did okay, but ultimately kind of fell flat. Whereas it looks now like this this generation with George and Lando and Alex, I mean, there's three of them there who seem to be the real deal. Yeah, and it, that's that's the difficulty with, with F1. There's so many factors, like Van Dorn, like you say. You know, he was against Fernando Alonso. So it's like, you know, to come in as a rookie and be alongside Fernando... That is a huge because he's destroyed so many careers. You know what I mean? Like you look at how 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 far ahead he was of Felipe Massa when they were at Ferrari together. You look at you know there's so many examples of and again you look at a sport like football and 
you think, oh, it should be more about, yes, it's a team sport, but ultimately all the individuals, you know, if you're good enough, you should be able to shine as an individual. Yet you still have players who have bad form, good form, and they're just kicking a ball about. The, the, we're trying to formulate opinions on these human beings that are sat in these machines that have different engines, different aero setups, different like teams around them. Like it's nigh on impossible to, it, it, I think I, it is impossible to get a factual 100% like who's better than someone else. Like yep. you see, if you look at like F1 esports, like racing esports, that's in, in that area you can be like right everything is identical but even in real even in spec series even in f2 in formula e the cars aren't all set up the same mm. so it's it's so hard to actually distinguish who is good who is bad who's in good form who's bad form and that's why the conversation will always carry on you know what i mean which is what, what i'm here to talk about you know because i enjoy it Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How have you found it? I mean, we're, we're obviously, there's a podcast, there's three of us here. Um, we're, we're, we're bouncing off each other. How have you found it doing it on your own so far? Yeah, it's kind of, because um, say I, I've always, so I've done a few, I've got like talking points that I do with like Aldas and Hayden and Matt, which is fun, but my kind of live streams, uh, my pre-race, my post-race, like there, yeah, just me with the camera. But again, I suppose I'm, I'm so used to it now. I'm so used to sitting on my own, like seeing the chat, like essentially that kind of streamer, like lifestyle of actually being on your own, but kind of having a, some kind of one-sided conversation. Um, But then there is that response as well. So I don't know. It's something I've been doing for, because I've been making videos for so long. It just, yeah, it's, it's just kind of second nature now. And I love having people on, but sometimes I do, you know, sometimes I prefer it just to be me. And then I can just, you know, because I think a lot of the time and I'll, I'll put questions out on Twitter, I'll ask questions in my live stream because I want to hear these different perspectives because I don't want to just be sat in my own little echo chamber head and be like, Oh, everything I think is right at the, at, you know, there's plenty of times where I've looked at instances and at first glimpse I've been like, Oh, that's their fault. And then I've looked back and be like, Oh, actually maybe it's not. And then I've heard different perspectives from different people who people who more educate, like actual racing drivers, for example. Um, but also like, just because like no one's got a right or wrong opinion, as long as you're, I think, trying and this is what i always do try and look at the sport earnestly and honestly as as objectively as i can and take the names away that's why like one of my favorite videos i did was when i reversed drivers from like controversial incidents so like leclerc hamilton 2019 at, at monza swap the cars around and like I love that video because I in looking in the comments, there were loads of people who were like, oh, actually, yeah, you know what? Actually, if that was the other way around, I would have been really upset. But because it was yeah. Charles winning at Monza, they were like, oh, it's fine. I don't mind. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Like, I want to do that one again because I just think that's like, that's the exact kind of content mm. I find really interesting, I suppose, because it's just real. Okay. How, how did you handle, 
Um, what happened towards the end of last year then? Um, let, let's hear number one, how you handled it. Um, because let's be honest, it was horrific to handle for all content creators, all um, news websites. The the hate for Formula One and certain, you know, either side was all over the place. Um, what was your view on it? How did you handle it? And what if it was the other way around? Oh, man, that that was honestly like the maddest year, wasn't it? And, and, and I did an actual, um, I did a live stream for that final race as well. Yeah, so it wasn't you like, should have done that. <laughs> whatever, whatever I said was just going straight out there. And I did actually, I said something along the lines of like, yeah. they've, they've like fabricated this or something. I, mm. I said something you said like it before that. Lewis said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as, as soon as that, that I, I, I can't really... It will be in the live stream. The live stream is still up. And I said something along those lines. Not, um, Yeah, look, I, I think last year was, you know, we'll look back on the battle because obviously all the focus is on Abu Dhabi, right? And that's this kind of separate conversation. I think the 2021 season as a whole was absolutely incredible. Like it was such, there was stuff going on throughout the season. You thought Verstappen had checked out and carried away and then, you know, some bad luck unfolds and then the momentum shifts and, you know, I've, you've, I think you've got Verstappen, you know, I think last year he was, he was driving in a way that he was like, you know, Lewis is the old guard. I need to come in and like be, uh, be aggressive. I yeah. need to yeah. play the, uh, I don't know how much you guys regarding football, but like I, I, I relate Max and Red Bull last year to like Atletico Madrid. Cause they're like very good but they're very good at like the dark arts yeah, and like yeah. just kind of on, on the edge of what's legal and sometimes overstepping that mark. And I think that was the approach that Max and, and Red Bull took last year. Obviously, yeah. yeah you, you Simeone at, and Christian Horner. This is what I mean. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I, that's the, that's the best kind of way I, I feel like you look at it. Cause there, there was so much going on. There was obviously a lot of discourse online and it always, it's always going to descend into tribal argument. Um, yeah, look, there's instances where Max was clearly, clearly at fault. I mean, come on, that Saudi Arabia race when he was just, like, he's just driving. Yeah. Like, Max, like, obviously, like, I don't even need to, like, open, I don't need to be in a discourse for that. You know, yeah. I'm not one to sit here and tell people what to think, but that was clearly, like, on Max, <laughs> that was stupid, right? But then there's other, like, Silverstone, where I do think, you know, Lewis was more at fault for that. And, and you know, some pe people say, oh, you're just flip-flopping, you're just trying to please both sides. But actually, uh, in, in my opinion, if you try and please both sides, you actually end up annoying more people. Mm, mm. Like, like I, I would have a happier online life if I just picked a lane and stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, oh God, you've just reminded me of some of the dramas from last oh. year. But I, I watched back, um, Sky did an awesome documentary on, on um, I can't remember what they called it now. It was a two-parter, um, the duel or whatever it was called. Um, yeah. But there was so much action last year that you've literally forgotten what happened two weeks ago mm. by, by the following two weeks. Um, but as you said, Leading into the final race, I am just going to, I'm going to dig at it one more time. What on earth happened? And what, Massey, the safety car, I mean, was this right for F1 in your opinion, Tom? It was one of them that, you know, the entertainment value was there. Massey, you know, there'd been the conversations beforehand, always try and finish the race under like green flags. There's, there's a, there's a conscious, um, a conscious want 
even if it means kind of, you know, doing what you can to finish the race under green flags. The problem is when it's the championship decider, when it's all come down on the same number of points, when it all comes down to that, you can't, you have to go by the absolute letter of the law. And, you know, the way that Massey officiated that final race in terms of this, like it wasn't what's written in the law. So Lewis is right to feel begrudged. He's, he's right to feel that if that had been followed to the letter, then he would have won the world championship. He, he would have won number eight. Um, the entertainment value though, I mean, obviously once that decision was made, whole oh, that last lap was just like, it was, it, it was one of them that it was it was a shame there wasn't DRS. I'd have loved to see <laughs> yeah. if we had to, yeah, if Massey's gonna like mess with the rules, just let DRS for that last lap as well. Yeah. But do you know I hadn't that's just, one just, thing. No one said that, or at least I certainly haven't a thought about that before. That is one of the greatest things that should have happened on that race. If you're gonna chuck the rule book out, chuck it all out, right? Yeah. Exactly, because Lewis almost got Max well, he kind of got half alongside, didn't he? Um yeah. And he obviously like forced Max to kind of take the corner. If you'd have had DRS as well, would that would have given yeah. Lewis a, a chance to actually fight back. Because it's what, one of them as well. What like, would Max have done at the last corner? We've taken him off behind. Oh, oh God, like, I just said something. Honest, that would have been. No, but but that, that's the thing. And, and, and that's why it's so like, because obviously if they'd have both DNF'd out of that race, then Max would have won the title, right? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. he had more count back. Yeah. Uh, or count back or whatever. Yeah. So, no, I, I think, again, we, we've seen titles take off drivers for maliciously taking out someone. Look, I, I think that Max was on the, yeah, Michael Schumacher. We, we've seen we've seen that in the past. And mm. it's like, I don't know. I, I just think that it it's, I you know what? I, I just, I get it. I, I get why so many Hamilton fans can't refuse to kind of let it go. I really, I really do. I, I really understand it because, you know, with the letter of the law, you know, that's, and we, again, we see this in lots of sports when there's like dodgy officiating decisions, but this was a more kind of, I don't think Massey, like, you know, people talk about, oh, he's like, he's a Red Bull sleeper agent or whatever. And it's like, no, I, I just think Massey wanted to finish that race under greens and, you know, wanted to give us a, a final lap dash. We saw how good that was at Baku when we got that kind of last couple of lap sprint at the end how exciting that was and prioritize that over the kind of fairness of sport. Cause look, if Latifi doesn't, you know, been, there's so many factors that had to fall into place in the same the way that storm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at Monza last year, the chance of them to, cause what you had a seven second pit stop for one and an 11 second for other. The chance of them two meeting on that corner is so infinitely small yet. It still happened. Yeah, and the chance of Max's car going on top. Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, if, come on. You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well said. I mean, like you're saying, uh, comparing it to football, it was kind of like the Aguero, the Man City United 2011, 12. If, they'd been given a penalty instead of Aguero scoring. That's the mm. kind of the equivalent. Like it was, it was ridiculous. Like it, if you watch a movie, you'd be like, it's stupid. This mm. would never happen. It was unbelievable. I think but Pinkham, yeah. I think it was Pinkham said, um, if, if a Hollywood scriptwriter put this in front of you, you'd throw it out for being too ridiculous, which was yeah. true. But it was, I, I put it down as one of the greatest F1 seasons of all time last year. Oh, easy. Easy. And and that's, I think, something to look. What happened, happened. And, you know, whether you're a Lewis Hat fan who's really, still really upset, which, again, I completely understand. But, you know, 
the whole season, and there were so many stories throughout the grid, but obviously particularly having this kind of head-to-heads, you know, when it's, we've had championships, you know, I, I watched the 2010 finale back, right? Where you had four drivers potentially winning it. Boring, boring race, right? Seb won his, his first then. It was a really boring race. I, th- I think the whole kind of, the build-up, it's kind of like a boxing match, wasn't it? It was all this build-up before, because you've just got these two drivers from two different teams. You've got the two team principals going at each other. You've got these two camps, and that really kind of split, I think, a lot of people. And you had to kind of be like one side or the other. And I just refused to affiliate. Uh, I refused to like go about like I, I disagree with some stuff, a, a lot of the moves that Max pulled last year. But I'm not going to like blindly just go to one side or the other, because again, that's not what it's about. But that that's what that cultivates that kind of thing amongst the the fan base. So yeah, it, it's just one of them that I think we'll look back in time and I'm, I hope Lewis gets number eight. I really do want him to get number eight and I hope he does because then I think if he does, then I think everyone can maybe look back on 2021 and enjoy it a bit more for what it was. Cause there was so much stress and anxiety and it's particularly if you exist on the online world, a lot of toxicity around it, but actually it was an incredible season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, one thing we had to look forward to going into this year was the new regs, um, new ways of racing, hopefully closer racing. And um, what do you think of this year so far? Obviously we've had, we've had more racing, closer racing. It's mm. not just the Lewis and Max show. Well, it's just, well, it's maybe the Max show. Um, how do you think this season's gone so far? What do you think we got to look forward to? How does it compare to last year? I'm very, very optimistic for the future because I think, Typically, when we get a new set of regulations um, from scratch, the gulf between the front and the back um, is pretty significant. I think considering this is a new set of regs, I think with the cost cap and and the sliding development scale, that stuff's going to take time to have an effect. So you can't expect that to have an effect this year or even next year. It's going to, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be we're going to see the reap the rewards in five five six years time, but yeah, all in all, the racing I think, given its new regs, it's it's been really good. Um, it should be a Leclerc Verstappen much closer fight, really, shouldn't it? Um, if if you had the level of competence from a strategy um, point of view that you do at Red Bull at Ferrari, because both cars have suffered with a little bit of, and I, I don't blame Ferrari for for developing an engine that can go pop because with these en- engine regs being frozen, you can bring updates that are reliability focused, but you can't bring performance updates. So it makes sense to develop a nuke that might blow up every now and then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that I, I'm optimistic. I, I know that there's, uh, you know, there were high expectations. I think expectations maybe were a bit too high. Um, but all in all, I think I think the future is looking good. Yeah, hopefully, uh, like you say, it's definitely it's a decent starting point. And yeah, hopefully, as the years go by, it will all level up a bit. Hopefully, I mean, it's always likely to be a big three, but yeah, the budget cap could help. Come yeah, on, back. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, going back to say the nineties, the two thousands. You know, I mean, when did you get into F one originally? Uh, I know you said I watched that Abu Dhabi uh, video you just mentioned, and you said mm. that. So at that point you were watching, but then you kind of grew away from it uh, at uni. So yeah, what got you into it first? And then what pulled you back into it once you'd kind of fallen out of love a bit? Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. I, I can't I can't really ask my parents because they're not that. Like, my mum was never interested in racing. My dad was never interested in, in cars or racing. 
it was it was just something I fell into myself. I, th- I think I've always loved cars. Like even when I was a little kid, I always used to like, you know, that was always something I was really into. And then I got into racing through that. Um, but the problem is, yeah, because no one, like no aunts and uncles or, or friends when I was a kid, I can't ask anyone. I can't be like, oh, when, when was my first F1 race? Because I... I, I don't know how I would have found it. It would have been on free-to-air TV back in like the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. But the earliest kind of car memory I have is that kind of Hakkinen West McLaren, um, him versus Schumacher kind of 1999 kind of time um, when he won his his second title. So that's kind of my earliest. I can picture that car. I can picture that clear as day. But in terms of like what race and, and all that, I, I don't know. And again, again, like going through going through school, like it was always something I followed. Um, but again, because I didn't have anyone to really watch it with, like it was something I'd stick on at the weekend. Yeah, when my dad wasn't watching the telly, I'd stick on racing, be that touring cars or or F1 usually and or rally or whatever. So, so I always watched a lot of different motorsports growing up. Um, and yeah, kind of when I went away to university, I kind of, you know, fell away from following sport really entirely over that period. Um, and then I was in Bournemouth when, when they were in league one and it was like the year before I left the year before they got promoted to premier league, I think. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of, I always had sports that I followed, but, I never really, I never had the facility, obviously, especially once it went behind a paywall to really watch the races um, once, you know, after after uni. But then I started following it more and more and more and more and more. And then gradually I was like, that was kind of overtaking football as as my number one focus at the weekends. So I was like, I should, maybe I should make a YouTube channel talking about it. And here we are. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because it was pretty much the same for me. I mean, similar age. And yeah, when I was a mm. kid and I followed it, so my dad was into it so I could watch with him but I didn't have any friends who cared about F1 and yeah it was football and F1 for me and everyone I, all my mates love football and no one cared about F1 it was I like think there's one kid man. a year who likes F1 isn't there I think that's yeah. sort of how it works at school <laughs> yeah. definitely but yeah and I think that's it it's, it's again shows what Drive to Survive's done for like it as a whole community obviously like Bernie leaving and Liberty coming in they've the online presence has just mm. blown it up completely and yeah, you know, all the all the better for you for it. Well, yeah, and, and, and again, no, I, I think that's why, like, you know, you guys are doing so well in what you're doing. I've I've done well in what I'm doing is because, you know, it is still, yes, it's more popular now, but it's still a bit of a niche sport. And I think so many people I see it in my comments, you know, especially when I used to reply to all of them, they're like, oh, like I I didn't know there was anyone talking about. Formula One, like on YouTube, which is really accessible, and anyone can just type in YouTube.com on their phone and, and, and watch someone talk about racing, which they can't necessarily in their kind of real day to day lives. So I think that's, I think that's why the F1, you know, I think why that fan base has been quite receptive to to content creators in the F1 space, not just me, not just you guys, just to, to, to everyone who's doing their thing, because I think yeah, it has got that kind of niche and. Maybe you don't have people in real life you can talk to about it, but here we are. We're here. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> you've, been, you've, you've been doing this for about three years, like you said. Before we talk about what's next for you, Tom, what's been your number one highlight moment um, working in this crazy world of F1? What would you say, wow, I will never forget that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, 
Because I've, I've I have had uh, I have had some really cool opportunities. Sh- okay, should um, we say top three then? <laughs> should, should we help you out? No, so there's it's more just so. For example, I went to with my now wife went to Canada for the Grand Prix earlier this year, and that was really cool because I kind of I'd arranged a meet up beforehand to film a video. I fucked up the recording, so the video didn't really come out like I wanted it to. Oh, no. But regardless. Mm. It was it was so nice. Like I, I met so many people. Like I kind of chose a little area, and there was like I probably spoke to about hundred people, kind of total, which yeah. was like really cool. Because it's like yeah, having that, yeah, that that it kind of breaks that wall down, I suppose, a bit. And it, it's yeah, it's just nice to kind of meet the the range as well of different types of people, old, young, male, female, whoever, like from from all different backgrounds, walks of life. Um, and a lot of obviously in, in the states as well, because I think my US audience is now bigger than my UK audience as well. So, and there were a lot of Americans who'd taken taken the trip up to uh, Montreal for the race. So that was really cool. Um, oh, you know what? Like honestly, the biggest thing is that uh, and before back when YouTube was just a hobby, my my ambition was always just in, in, in work, in working life was to have freedom to work for myself, to do my own thing. I was always, you know, oh, maybe I'll set up like a design consultancy, like an agency and, and do it that way and take on kind of ad hoc projects and employ people, blah, blah, blah. But I think that this, this, what was a hobby and has now become my job. Like it's given me that freedom, that flexibility that I've always craved and always wanted in life. So by far and away, above any like meeting people or any of that, like having that sense of kind of freedom, that work-life freedom um, has been, yeah, like by far and away the, the best thing. Like I, I, I could happily, I could happily do this at this level. If you could say, right, you, you can do this for the rest of your life at this level, I'd be like, cool, I'm happy with that. So but you're, you're a bit like me. You're not going to do that, are you? You're going to start oh, no. new projects, try new things. Because I think you said earlier on, if you're, if you're not growing, you're, you're sinking or, or along those lines. So what is next? I believe you're starting a podcast. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So there's all, I've always kind of, I've, again, I said this earlier, I've never been afraid to kind of give things a go. And, you know, I feel like you, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So I've always wanted, I don't know if you know about, if you've heard of a guy called True Geordie, um, Brian, but he has a yeah, live, and, yeah. yes, exactly. And he's got a live football watch long show that he's been doing for years. And obviously I used to, you know, I, that, that the football space is, is what I used to be in. And I've met Brian a few times through that. Um, and I, as soon as the F1 stuff started, I was like, I really want my version, basically. My, my, my kind of equivalent in the F1 space, like a high production race kind of watched long show with guests. Because just that, the vibe that Brian captures with the kickoff is exactly the kind of vibe that I've always wanted to capture in my videos, be that football, be that F1, whatever it is, where it's just a bunch of people, you know, different level, different levels of expertise and, and affiliation and everyone's a fan and everyone's like, you've got this, all these different opinions coming together. Sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree. And that's what the last lap, which is the new kind of, so it's, it's primarily kind of a, a race watch along uh, stream um, but it's me and Niram working with a production company to 
bring it to life and and make it a sustainable kind of thing on its own. It, it's something I've always wanted. You know, I, th- I think part of part of the reason I haven't done that on the kind of my own channel is because I, I like the intimacy of what I've got with my channel. I think because it is just me and the audience and the live streams. It's just me and the audience, and it's kind of a bit more of a one to one thing. But yeah, this kind of this live show format is always something I've wanted. So from Spa from this weekend, we're going to be doing the first one, which I'm absolutely buzzing for. So uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And then, yeah, there'll be a kind of podcast attached to that, which again, we'll all get kind of recorded on that Sunday. Um, and then we'll kind of drip fees, uh, kind of content out across the week. So it'll be a full channel on its own. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. And then I still got like talking points that I just, you know, me, Matt, Hayden Aldas, just me and my mates just chatting about F1, which that's still like, that's super chill. Like that, that's kind of a, a similar vibe, but this is the more high production thing that again, I think, you know, deserves its own thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm confident it's going to do well because um, I've, I've got a lot of desire to make it achieve and succeed. So we'll see. So for our, maybe our, our audience with more age, <laughs> I was trying to think of a polite way to put that and I failed miserably. Um, <laughs> how does a watch along work, right? You're you, obviously, you're watching your stream. You've got the, the F1 on, on your TV or something. Mm. Do you mute your TV? Do, do you, how does this work? Just put it into perspective. Cool. Yeah. So, so, so I, I think, um, you know, you, you, something you look on the face of it and be like, oh, why don't you just watch it yourself? Like, why are you blah, blah, blah. I think the, the idea of of a watch along and, and why it works with sport, and I'm not just going to say F1 here, just uh, just a sport watch along is, well, A, obviously you've got a paywall that a lot of times it's hidden behind. So, you know, when people listen to football on the radio or whatever, right, you're not seeing the game, you're just hearing someone talk about it. That's kind of... Kind of a similar thing because they're just telling you what's going on. Um, but I think what's nice about a watch along is that yeah, you've got this kind of group, this community. Say you're at home watching the race on your own, and, or you don't have anyone else to, to watch it with. You know, I'm, don't get me wrong, I, we, we're not. It's unlikely to cater to you know big groups where everyone's together watching. They're not going to you know they're having their own kind of watch along, and all of the discourse you have when you're watching a sporting event um, with other people is what you know, will be captured on that. And it means that, yeah, if you're watching on your own, you can maybe, you know, have the race on one screen and us on the other, and you'll hear our reactions, you react yourself, and it kind of makes you feel part of that um, experience. And then also, obviously, when you are capturing that live, then say there is a particularly exciting incident or something happens or there's something contentious and there's there's a debate there, you can then capture that and put it out afterwards. You know, you always get post-race podcasts, post-race videos, which talk about what happened in the race. And this is kind of no different. It's kind of capturing that raw, undiluted, you know, initial moments. And then after each kind of show, basically, we'll just kind of go through the race and then talk about it in a more reflective way. And then, yeah, just taking all of that and then just getting as much kind of good, high-quality content out of the live experience, but also the the post-race kind of VOD. So, uh that's the sales pitch anyway. <laughs> well, I'll I tell you what, you've sold me. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to give it a go. Um, so uh, before we wrap up, do you want to let the listeners know where they can go to find everything that they need to find about you and, and uh, follow your content going forward? Sure. So, well, Tomo, T-O-M-M-O on YouTube, pink man with dog 
who's sleeping behind me at the moment. Um, <laughs> actually, shall I, shall I grab him? I'll, I'll grab the, I'll grab the dog. Yeah, grab the dog. Really? Into coming, mate. Oh, he's tired. Oh, there um, he is. That's almost like your picture, that. Yeah, there you go. Point <laughs> at the thing. Uh, there he is. He was he was asleep. So um, yeah, if you see a, uh, if you see me and 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 the dog, then you click on that, and then on on Twitter as well um, at Tuomo F1 Twitter Tomo because um, you know I mean people don't like it but people yeah. talk about how much they just don't like it which is good engagement so <laughs> <laughs> all engagement is good engagement that's pretty much it YouTube Twitter is, is kind of my two main things I don't really do uh, anything outside of that so um, yeah awesome well Thanks listen it was fun. thank you very much for your time thank you for joining us and um, we will definitely catch up again soon absolutely boys pleasure thank you very much for having me thank you you're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.